So I just want to get straight into it. Um, and I have three points that I want for us to consider. And this is just going to be a basic under uh, introduction to the doctrine of Christ, uh, Christology, okay? Um, so three quick points, or three points. Number one, what is Christology? The second point, the importance of Christology. And the third point, the practical implications of Christology. So number one, what is Christology? And number two, the importance of Christology. And number three, the practical implications of Christology. And those three points will help us navigate um, our, our lesson this evening. So let's tackle the first one. What is Christology? What is Christology? Many of you have heard Christology before, uh, but what is Christology? Uh, in Charles Spurgeon's first sermon at the Metropolitan Tabernacle, he said this. I, prop- I would propose that the subject of the ministry in this house, as long as this platform shall stand, and as long as this house shall be frequently uh, by worshipers, uh, shall be the person of Jesus Christ. I am never ashamed to avow myself a Calvinist. I do not hesitate to take the name Baptist. But if I asked, but if I was asked, what is my creed? I reply, it is Jesus Christ. My venerated predecessor, Dr. Gill, that's John Gill, uh, has a body of divinity, admirable and excellent in its way. But the body of divinity to which pin and bind myself forever, uh, or any other human treaties, oh, I'm sorry, forever, but God helping me is not his system or any other human treaties, but Jesus Christ. Uh, I do not bound myself to the body of divinity by John Gill, which is a wonderful book, but I bound myself to Jesus Christ, who is the sum and substance of the gospel, who is in himself all theology, the incarnation of every precious truth and all glorious personal embodiment of the way, the truth, and the life. I amen, and the rest of the elders amen, and echo what the Prince of Preachers says here, that although I myself love reading uh, John Gill and Augustine and John Owen and John Calvin. And although I fully subscribe to the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith, if I was asked, what is my creed? I must reply like Spurgeon, my creed is Jesus Christ. And Dr. Gill and Mr. Owen and our confession of faith only help me know and, and confess rightly who is Jesus Christ. But saints, we must echo again what Charles Spurgeon says, that Jesus Christ is indeed the sum and substance of the gospel in all theology. The foundation of our religion is not what our beloved church fathers have said, nor what mighty soldiers of men that we stand on have said, but our foundation of the Christian religion is Jesus Christ. Christ is to be the center of our religion. Knowing Christ is the goal, is to be the goal of our theological studies. And a study in Christology helps us know Christ truly in order that we may worship Christ rightly. So what is Christology? There are many different ologies that one can study. There's theology proper, which we are going through in the narrow road in which we went through last year, uh, which is the study of God. There is soteriology, the study of salvation. Uh, There's pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit. There's eschatology, the study of last things or what will happen at the end, final things. There's ecclesiology, the study of the church. There's biblical theology, the overarching story of the Bible. But when we come to Christology, what we are saying and what we are studying is the person and work of Jesus Christ. Christology is a study of the person and work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
And in our study in Christology, we attempt to answer questions such as this. Who is the pre-chronic Christ? What does it mean for Jesus Christ to be the eternal son of God? What does it mean for Christ to be called son? How do we explain the deity of Christ? What is the incarnation and hypostatic union? How do we explain the two natures of Christ? In our study of Christology, we also look at the work of Christ. So we look at the person in Christ, in his being and in his incarnation, but also we look at the work of Christ. And that is, what was that work that Christ was sent to accomplish? Why was he sent to do this work? And who did he do this work for? In the study of the doctrine of Christ, we'll also consider the parables of Christ, the baptism of Christ, the temptation of Christ, Christ as prophet, priest, and king, Christ as mediator, the resurrection of Christ, the ascension of Christ, and the second coming of Christ, and many more. Uh, Saints, a study in Christology is indeed the most glorious study that one could ever embark on. Friends, the undertaking of the study of Christ is not like any other field of study. It's not like studying the universe or studying the cosmos or, or studying uh, how to different ingredients or how to make better dishes. But the study of Christ is far beyond and more glorious than all of those things. That we don't approach the study of Christ, saints, with arrogance or laziness. We don't come to the study of Christ as if we know all that there is to be said about our Lord. But rather, we approach the study of Christ with humility and reverence. Saints, Christology is not a secondary science or a branch of discovery. But rather, Christology is the whole tree itself. As Colossians 2.3 tells us, Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The study of Christ is the chief discipline of all of our knowledge. So, saints, when we come to the great subject of Christ, let us not come as a as a lawyer ready to debate uh, the study and, and the person and work of Jesus Christ, whether he did this or whether he didn't do this. But rather, let us come with uh, as a as a as a child does to their father, as a son and daughter comes to their father. We come with humble hearts, with regenerate hearts. Let us study with with joy and adoration. There are many people out there who study the person and work of Christ, but many of them are don't do it with regenerate hearts. So they never reap the benefits of such study. But we come with regenerate hearts. We are being filled with the Holy Spirit to learn about our great and glorious Savior. And after we do that, we worship him in light of what he has done and who he is. So to to summarize Christology, Christology simply is a study of the person and work of Jesus Christ, the person and work of our Lord and Savior. Now let's consider our second point, the importance of Christology. So we tackled what is Christology? It's a study of the person and work of Jesus Christ. But is this important? Is it important for us to, uh, maybe we might take the rest of the year to study the doctrine of Christ and who he is? Should we uh, take such a notice um, and study who Christ is? Why must we, stu- why must we study Christology? Well, I want to give you three reasons why studying Christology is important. And the first is Christology is important in regards to the scriptures. Christology is important in regards to the scriptures. In other words, understanding the person and work of Christ will help us understand the overarching story of the Bible. So, friends, we have to ask, what is the relationship between Jesus Christ and the study of scriptures? 
Is there any relationship between studying Christ and how we interpret the scriptures, how we come at the scriptures? Let's consider what Luke, what Luke says in uh, Luke chapter 24. Verse 13 through 35 says this. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that have happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is, the con- what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cephas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here, there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to the uh, to be condemned uh, uh, to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who had uh, who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it as just as the woman had said, but did not see. And here we want to hone in on these three verses. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And hear this, verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. We'll speak more about this passage in depth in the coming weeks. But here we see Jesus is giving these men a lesson, a Bible lesson on the entire Bible. But also not just a lesson on the entire Bible, but how must how, how one must interpret the entire Bible. Here Jesus is saying that he himself is the one whom the scriptures tell of. That the, that the prophets of old spoke of his coming. That the prophets of old were, were speaking from this messianic vantage point, And they had Christ in mind. Although they didn't fully understand who was going to come, they knew that one was going to come. He himself, Christ, is the focal point of special revelation. As John Owen said, Christ is the principal end of the whole of scripture. The Bible is a story about the glory of God through the redemptive work of the incarnate son, Jesus Christ. But saints, notice how Jesus Christ didn't say that only the scriptures after the Old Testament speak of him. There are many people who like to say that we only see Christ when we read the New Testament. And in order for us to read Christ in the Old Testament, we must read the New Testament and then read him back into the Old. As if Christ is not there in the Old Testament. But here, Luke in Luke 24... Christ uh, um, expels that myth. And and Luke says that beginning with Moses, Christ takes these men back to the Old Testament. But Christ doesn't take these men strictly to Deuteronomy, nor does he take them to Exodus. But Christ takes these men to Genesis. And I take it when it says that uh, beginning with Moses, I take that to mean that Christ took these men back to Genesis 3.15. 
And he showed them how the skull crushing seed of the woman was speaking of him. He interpreted Genesis 3.15 to them. And then the rest of subsequent scriptures of how Genesis 3.15 was pointing to this one that was to come to live, die, and rise for his people. Jesus took these men to school. And here along the road of Emmaus, Jesus showed how the Old Testament was pointing to him and how the Old Testament was about Jesus Christ. One pastor has once said that he hopes in heaven uh, that we will be able to witness or hear an audible of what Christ was saying to these men and how Christ opened the scriptures to these men. But saints, in order for us to properly understand the Bible, we must do so with the understanding that Jesus Christ is the sum and substance of divine revelation. In order for us to understand the Old Testament and the New Testament, we first must understand that Jesus Christ is at both of its centers, that Jesus Christ is at both of its scopes. The scope of the Old Testament is Jesus Christ. The scope of the New Testament is Jesus Christ. And we as good Bible students must interpret the Bible through the scope of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Old Testament promises Christ and the New Testament reveals Christ. So saints, we see how Christology is important to the scriptures. Second, we see how Christology is important in regards to doctrine. Christology is important in regards to doctrine. And when I say doctrine, I mean teachings, various teachings. Um, saints, what distinguishes us from Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses in regards to what we believe? What distinguishes us from uh, Jews and Muslims as far as what we believe? Well, we can point to uh, many things uh, that distinguish us, but I think the one main issue that distinguishes us from uh, Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons and Jews and Muslims is our doctrine of Christ. Our doctrine of Christ is what distinguishes us from the rest of these uh, religious uh, cults. Both the Mormons and, Je- and Jehovah Witnesses have a doctrine of Christ that is no Christ. Both uh, Muslims and Jews have a doctrine of Christ that is no Christ. Both Mormons and Jews have a doctrine of Christ that says that Jesus is a created being and not equal with the Father. Muslims believe that Jesus is just another prophet, while Jews believe that Jesus was an ambassador of God. And saints, we have to understand that both Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses, as well as Jews and Muslims, have a heretical view of the deity of Christ. They have a view that goes against what the early church and what the Bible says about who Christ is. What we say about Christ saints has massive implications to the entirety of the Christian faith. If we deny the deity of Christ, then we are a heretic. If we deny the true humanity of Christ, we are a heretic. If we try to modify the two natures of Christ, we are a heretic. Friends, we must have a right and biblical and orthodox view of the person of Christ. And if we do not, then we don't even, we should not even consider ourselves Christian. That's how, that's how deep, uh, knowing the true and biblical Christ is, is if we get, if we get anything wrong with Christ's person, then we are a heretic. And if we get anything wrong with his deity, we are a heretic. And if we get anything wrong with his salvation and, and how we are saved in Christ, uh, then we are stepping outside of the Bible and what the Bible says about Christ and who he has come to die for, um, and save. The doctrine of Christ also touches our view of the church. 
Uh, who has Christ given the final authority to, authority to in regards to the church? The doctrine of Christ touches our view of salvation. Did Jesus Christ know who he was dying for? And did he only die for the people whom he knew? The doctrine of Christ impacts our view of the Lord's Supper. When we partake of the bread and the cup, is it the literal body of Jesus Christ? Or is Christ spiritually present in the bread and in the cup? The doctrine of Christ uh, impacts our view of the law. We heard a wonderful message this morning about the distinctions uh, and the, the wonderful doctrine of the law and gospel. Um, but when we study Christology, we have a we come to a better understanding of of our view of the law in Christ and how we are to view the law in Christ. Since Christ has obeyed the law on our behalf, does that mean that the entire law is done away with? Uh, if you want the answer to that, listen to this morning's sermon. Uh, and saints, I can go on and mention other doctrines that Christ has an impact on. But what I'm, what I want you to understand is Christology touches every truth in the Christian faith. And lastly, Christology is important in regards to salvation. Christology is important in regards to salvation. In Acts 16, the Philippian jailer asked Paul and Silas this one question. Acts 16, verse 30 to 31. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? This Philippian jailer goes to Paul and Silas and he asks, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Here we see the way to salvation is to believe in Jesus Christ. But we have to ask, what are we believing? Are we believing that Jesus was just a good person? Are we believing that Jesus was just an example for us to follow? Are we believing in the blonde hair, blue eyed Jesus of the various paintings we see? Are we believing in the Jesus of the broader evangelical church, the homeboy Jesus or the cool Jesus? Saints, when we say that we believe in Jesus Christ, we must know what we are saying and what and who we are believing in. Consider the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 30 through 4. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Who is the Christ that we are believing? That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried and that he rose on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That is the Christ whom we are to believe in. The Christ of the Bible. The Christ of divine revelation. The Christ of holy scriptures. And here the apostle Paul lays out what exactly we are to believe in in regards to salvation in Christ alone. It's not Christ plus works. Not Christ plus our deeds, but Christ, him and him alone. First, we must believe in the Christ of the Bible. Notice how, how Paul, after every statement um, the Apostle Paul makes about Christ, he ends with in accordance with the scriptures. He says, he says, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried and raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. These are not fairy tales or tells uh, that come from our grandmothers. But but this is divine revelation. This is a historical fact. And these are historical events that Christ came to this earth, that he died and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And when it says in accordance with the scriptures, that means that all the prophecies of old were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We must not believe, saints, uh, in the Christ of the skeptics. Nor are we to believe in the Christ of our imagination, but we must have faith and a right understanding of the Christ of the Bible. But we have to ask, who is the Christ of the Holy Scriptures? 
who is this Christ of divine revelation? Well, what we see in the Bible is Jesus Christ is truly God and truly man. Jesus Christ is truly God and truly man. And we must be careful when we speak about Christ because how we speak about Christ tells a lot of how we view the two natures of Christ. And we'll get more into that uh, in few in a few weeks. But Jesus Christ is truly God and truly man. That Jesus Christ is the eternal son of God who became flesh to live, die, and rise for his people. We, we must believe that Jesus Christ truly lived on this earth. And in his humanity, in his humanity, he truly died for the sins of his people. And he was raised and truly raised from the dead. Saints, that's the truth that's given to us via divine revelation. And that's the truth one must believe in in order to be saved. As Jesus says in John 5, 24, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who has sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. He echoes those same words in John six forty seven. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Saints, it's clear from the words of God himself that in order for us to have eternal life, Belief in Christ is an absolute necessity. It's necessary. And again, that's not belief in the Christ of our own liking, but the Christ that's revealed to us in scriptures. So we see the importance of Christology in regards to salvation. Now let's move on to our last point, and that is the practical implications of Christology. The practical implications of Christology. That is to say... How does a studying, how does studying the doctrine of Christ help us in our everyday lives? How does the study of Christ help us in our everyday lives? Uh, many think that studying theology is purely theoretical and it's only head knowledge with no practical implication. I think that's why many people don't like reading outside sources, that people don't like to dive into uh, different books because they believe, well, it's just head knowledge and I don't learn how to live in light of these things. But saints, that couldn't be further from the truth. That couldn't be further from the truth. And when we come to the study of our Lord, we don't attain knowledge of our Savior so we can just simply defend his deity against atheists and religious cults. That, that's not why we study the doctrine of Christ. Nor do we study the doctrine of Christ in order for us to know information about our Lord. But we study the doctrine of Christ. And when we study the doctrine of Christ, what we know about Christ penetrates into our everyday lives. Let me give you a few examples. We see that a right understanding of Christ strengthens our faith in Christ and insurance, assurance that Jesus Christ truly and indeed paid the full ransom of our sins. In the Christian life, saints, we have times of great discouragement, great discouragement. We have times of weakness and, and being fully assured that Jesus Christ paid the full debt that we owed. There are times when we question our faith and question, did Christ really do enough? Well, a study of Christ and the work of, and the person of and work of Christ is the remedy for our worried souls. That studying what Christ has done in his person and work allows us to rest peacefully at night, knowing that when Christ said it was finished, it was truly finished. That we don't have to earn a perfect standing before holy God, but one who is perfect has earned a righteous standing before holy God on our behalf. 
that this one took the law on our behalf and fulfilled it completely in order to free us from under the condemnation of the law. Now that we can serve God and the way we serve God is by obeying his law rightly. Saying to study in Christology helps us say with full confidence that our soul is well. That it's not just something we say because it sounds cute. Or it's not something to say because it, 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 it's somehow reminds us and, and gives us this, uh, this euphoric feeling. But it is truth that 2,000 years ago, Christ paid the full ransom of the debt that we owed in his life and in his death. Christ also helps us saints in our marriages. Christ studying Christology and studying the doctrine of Christ helps us in our marriages. Studying the relationship between Christ and the church helps husbands and wives better see how a marriage is supposed to look. How husbands are to are to lead their wives in a godly way and how wives are to submit to their husbands in a godly way. Christology helps us overcome sin and temptation. As we learn more about the infinite value of our Lord, the more he becomes our sweet and supreme joy and saints and, and those saints who see Christ as their supreme joy have never and will never walk away unsatisfied. The deeper we study the doctrine of Christ, the more we will want to obey our Lord and not make a mockery of his atoning death by, by us sinning constantly and rebelling against him. We'll understand that that sin that we are doing was paid for and we don't have to go back to our vomit. But we can keep pressing toward Christ, who, are, who is our supreme joy and our supreme treasure, who is, who is infinitely better than those, those worldly pleasures that we can ever uh, uh, indulge in. Christology helps us with our relationships with family and friends. Christ has given us an example of how we are to interact with this world, how we must have a love and care for people. But as Pastor Antonio said this morning, we show our love and care for people uh, and our and our love and care for our neighbors by speaking the truth to them. How do we love and how do we care for our neighbors? By telling them the truth. If they are outside of Christ, that they will die in their sins. If they are in Christ, to keep pressing on, brother or sister. We must have a have a have a have a worldview um, that is shaped by Christ and who He is. And saints, there's more practical implications that a study of the doctrine of Christ uh, presents to us. And we will see those practical implications as we move through our study in Christology. Uh, but this evening, saints, I hope you've seen through this short introduction to Christology that the doctrine of Christ is the highest study that one could ever embark on, while at the same time, the sweetest joy that one could ever find and experience. We just we don't just gain head knowledge, but we also experience joy in Christ as he is our sweet fountain on the road to Emmaus. After Christ has taught after Christ has taught the two men how the Old Testament spoke of his life, death and resurrection. The two men reflect on their experience with the risen Lord and hear what they say. Luke 24, 32 says this. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us? while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures. What a beautiful statement. Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? As Christ opened the scriptures to these men, their hearts began to burn within them. And saints, through our study in Christology, I pray the same will happen to you.
The deeper we go in Christology, the more we, we start to, or the more we, we learn about our risen and ascended Lord, I pray that the more your hearts will burn within you to know more about our Lord, to worship him better. And I hope that at the end of all of this and during all of this, you'll echo the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 2, 2. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Let's pray.